the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Judeans. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave the only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In case you ever wondered what it's like to write a sermon for Trinity Sunday, well, why don't I just show you? Uh, hey, here's an easy one. A brief description of the business. Um, well, it's, um, it's a general store, but it's also a very specific store. Huh. And it's also not just a store. It's like a place where people can come and get coffee um, or drinks, but it's not a coffee shop, um, nor is it a bar. Okay, so we're pretty clear on what it's not. Yeah, it's an environment. Um, and yes, we will be selling things, but it's more like, more like a branded immersive experience. Right, I love the buzzwords, David, but I, I do need to put something down here. Okay, you couldn't use anything I just said. Why, yes, I did spend an hour of my Friday afternoon making that clever video. Thank you for asking. <laughs> but even if the particular TV reference is lost on you, I think you can still get the points, and the effect is maybe the same. 
trying to explain or understand the doctrine of the Trinity is a dizzying spiral where most roads lead to heresy and the others lead to a headache not unlike a brain freeze from eating your ice cream too fast. Let's face it, today is a weird day about a weird doctrine that none of us fully understands or can ever fully explain. And yet at the same time, the Holy Trinity is so foundational to who we are as a church. When we recite the creeds, we confess what we believe about each person of the Trinity. When we're baptized, we invoke the presence and the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We even name congregations after it. There's something to this Trinity thing. Or at least that's what I told myself when I decided to get a tattoo on my arm of one of the symbols of the Trinity. You see, for 18 years I had grown up at Trinity Lutheran Church, but I had never really thought about what our church name meant. It was just the name of our church. And then several years later when I found myself in a community connected to a First Trinity Lutheran Church, and then later a Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, I still never really gave much thought to what those names meant. They were just the names of the communities I belonged to. For me, this tattoo of the Trinity reminds me not so much of the creeds and doctrines of the church, but of the relationships that I've experienced in those Trinity communities. And that, I think, is what the Trinity is, and this weird feast day, all come down to. Relationships. The way that God is in relationship with God's self in some weird, mysterious way. And the way that God is in relationship with all of us. At first glance, it's easy to overlook any mention of the Trinity in the late night conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. But if we really pay attention, we notice that Jesus is telling Nicodemus about the ways that God relates to God's creation. God, the creator, is the one who so loves the world that God has made that God sends the Son to redeem the world. A world which is reborn through water and the spirits. And it's God's rationale and end game in all of this that is most remarkable to me. That God so loved the world, that the world might be saved through the one God has sent. Love is the beginning and end of what God is up to in the world. In a sermon made famous at the last royal wedding, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Michael Curry, preached about the power of love and a world where love is the way. He says, when love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive, when love is the way, then no child would go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty would become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. 
when love is the way we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. When love is the way, there's plenty good room, plenty good room for all of God's children. And when love is the way, we actually treat each other, well, like we're actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are all brothers and sisters and siblings, children of God. This love is the way of the Trinity. And there's something about this love thing that the writer of John's gospel names more than 40 times. And there's something about this Trinity thing, too. In fact, as an alternative to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, St. Augustine has famously referred to the Trinity as lover, beloved, and love. Love is the way of the Trinity. We know love, the love between spouses, the love between parents and children, the love between lifelong friends, the love of this faith community every time we gather. Those kinds of love are powerful. And God's kind of love is even more powerful still. Under the cover of night, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and gets a glimpse, just a glimpse of a vision of the God of love beyond anything that he could comprehend as a teacher of Israel. So too, even in our nights, we encounter a God who so loves us and refuses to give up on us. A God who becomes one of us in the flesh and offers healing and wholeness and salvation to all of creation. A God who continually invites us into the work of love and healing through this rebirth, baptism, by water and the Spirit. God is Trinity, and God is love. And if there's one Trinity buzzword you take away today, I mean, maybe it's perichoresis or homoousius, but I think the easier one to remember is love. Extravagant, precious, incomprehensible, powerful, earth-changing, invitational love. I'm not sure I understand the doctrine of the Trinity any better today than when I was growing up at Trinity Lutheran Church. But I do know that there is something to this Trinity thing because I have experienced it to be true in community and in relationship. And whether we understand all of those theological buzzwords or not, whether we think we're qualified or not, whether we feel that love or not, that love is surely for us. The God who creates, redeems, and sustains us, pulls us into community with one another, and sweeps us up into that work of love, the way of love, with the power to change the world.